this would be a good time for you to be quiet. I know that's nearly impossible for you, but if I hear the sound of your voice right now, I can't be responsible for my actions. So this would be a very good time for you to shut up! What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SSNetwork, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SSNetwork. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SSNetwork. Like the Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then my friends, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake Silver, brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again. And of course, shout out to all of our hard laboring workers on this Labor Day Monday. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show wherever. And however you may be watching and listening, Jake the Snake Silva here. We are live in the 702 on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. And, of course, you can follow me on Instagram, all the social media platforms. Hope all of you guys have enjoyed this Labor Day weekend. I know I am. Just resting up and everything else. And, of course, being here with all of you guys as we've got a jam-packed show on a Monday night. We've got Coach Dante, we got Mitch Kofsky, and of course, we've also got our very own Darian Hopkins of the Spotlight Raiders talking. We're just talking sports, baby. This is what we do. Um, for those of you that have not done so already, it's your first time. I appreciate you guys, and I would encourage you to like, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications on future and past shows on the Snake Sports Talk Show and on the Spotlight Sports 
Network. And if you haven't done so already, go online to the SpotlightSportsNetwork.com as we got killer deals every week um, with hats, hoodies, T-shirts, and so much more. NFL season's right there, folks. I'm excited for Thursday night between Dallas and Tampa as the new 2021 season is finally underway and we cannot, like, we can't wait any longer. So I am excited for what this year is going to bring. So let me start off with this because there is so much that we've looked at all throughout the NFL's preseason and what this season's going to bring. So we know exactly of all of our teams that made the playoffs last season. And we're also anticipating the teams who didn't make the playoffs last season to make the playoffs. And the AFC, it's easy to really predict it. You know Kansas City's going to win the division. Um, I feel like Cleveland may win the North. The the Colts might end up winning the South. It'll be kind of neck and neck between them and Tennessee. And then you have the Buffalo Bills reigning the East. But the um, the two wild card spots are the toughest to predict because that's where you've got your Baltimore's. That's where you've got your Chargers. That's where you've got um, Tennessee. There are a couple of teams and also Miami and New England. But there's only one team that I really truly have a lot of questions about. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders. Last season, okay, in the first nine games, they went six and three, and they were the talk of the league. John Gruden, in I believe it was his third year of the contract, he got a, a lot of different pieces. Derek Carr was also somebody who was efficient when it came to the pass game. Completed 70% of his throws, threw for over 4,000 yards, and there was really no problems to it. And had weapons like Nelson Aguilar, Darren Waller, and had a run game with Josh Jacobs. But the one thing that concerns me the most is post-Thanksgiving record. Right now, from what I'm being told, Mike Mayock is the only person on the hot seat, and not John Gruden. Kind of questions me about that. Because John Gruden, as we know, from in the last couple of years, he's been coaching from Tampa Bay to the Raiders, and so on and so forth, he's not had a really good winning record when it comes to post-Thanksgiving. In fact, that's where the tires blow off. So even if this team started at 6-3, and last year they were like 2-5 and post-Thanksgiving. The last thing you needed to do was to slow down. And especially when it becomes teams are stacking up, teams are fighting for wild-card positions, not really the best time to be in a slump. And it was interesting because the way that people started to doubt Derek Carr, people started to doubt the defense, which I do agree. The defense with Paul Gunner was not the best. There was not a whole lot of pressure when it came to the pass rushes. There was not a whole lot of coverage and Trayvon Mullen got burnt multiple times. So by the, by the tail end of the season, they got beat. They got beat by Miami. They got beat by the Chargers the second time they faced each other. And they were very, very close to losing against the Jets. So this team right now is on the hot seat. John Gruden and Mike Mayock 
both are. Mike Mayock put out a statement this past week that the Raiders, their one goal is to make the playoffs. Well, you know what, though? That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure because now you have a new defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley, who I do like, but I also have some tendencies. But then you still have Derek Carr. Now the question is, who's Derek Carr's, who is Derek Carr's favorite receiver outside of Darren Waller? Because Henry Ruggs was quiet all throughout his rookie season. And on top of that, not a whole lot of targets with Brian Edwards. And there were only times in the red zone that you could rely on Hunter Renfro. This is, I would want to believe that the Raiders can be a very intimidating team to get into the postseason. I really, really do. But when it comes to questions like that, and when it comes to performances by second half of games, and not to mention in the tail ends of the season, because it's not always about how you start in a season. It's always about how you finish. Look at some of the teams that didn't even have the best records yet impressed us by the next season. The Dolphins, in the last six games they played, they won them out. By the time this past year, they had a really good record but missed the playoffs because that was the questions between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. Then you had the Giants, who last year, they were on a rocky start, but then eventually won five games late in the season. And there's, so there's a lot of positive upsides, but the question is, is it go time for Daniel Jones? Which I'm hoping it is. So for the Raiders, they'll start 6-3. and three. But you know what's funny is John Gruden, after 6-3 oh, after starts, is and 3 with no playoff appearances. And these are, out of all the teams, dating back from the time that he was in Tampa to where he is now with the Raiders. Kind of gives you a lot of questions. I mean, a 10-year, $100 million contract, the last thing you need is to pay a coach that much who's honestly... One of the best sales guys that you could think of in, in the business. He's a guy that sells you on an idea. But ultimately, when it comes to the productions, that's questionable after Thanksgiving. I like what the Raiders did put in place. But you know what my questions are? How good is the offensive line after it just got reshaped after Rodney Hudson got traded? My other question is, is Gus Bradley Truly the answer. And is the defensive core healthy? So there are so many question marks to this Raiders team that I truly want to believe they can be an intimidating team. But you have to think. It's not always about how you start. It's always about how you finish within the season. And quite frankly, and I hate to say this, and I hate to burst a lot of Raider Nation's bubble, but I don't think they're going to be a playoff contender. It is way too tough in this AFC because you have to get past Brian Flores and his defense in Miami. Brandon Staley looks to be promising with the Chargers, and you got Justin Herbert in the mix. The other part is you got Mac Jones in New England, where Bill Belichick is dying to get back in the postseason after lose after missing it last season. And so there's a lot of storylines on the line. 
And if the Raiders truly want to make serious noise, you got to hit the ignition. You got to start the ignition. You got to hit the gas. And you just got to blow past everybody. That's a tough schedule. I looked at it from top to bottom. That's a tough schedule to get past. I like what I see in the group, but hopefully this year they'll get things going. All right, so um, I've got Coach Go- uh, Coach Dante on the in the mix right here because of what I'm about to say with the Houston Texans because there have been a lot of talks with the Deshaun Watson thing. So the reports are is that. Tyrod Taylor will start week one and Deshaun Watson's going to be sat. So at this point, you already know with how Deshaun Watson is going to feel with the start of the season. He's not going to play a single down with Houston and it's just going to make things a lot tougher with their front office. But again, you knew what was going to happen the second the news and everything broke out. DeAndre Hopkins trade. J.J. Watt, out. Brian Cushing, out. And not a healthy offensive line outside of Laramie Tunsil. You couldn't give Deshaun Watson what he wanted. This is ultimately the curse right now for Houston. And Houston has gone through so many other quarterbacks. David Carr, Matt Schaub, Sage Rosenfels, T.J. Yates, until they finally got Deshaun Watson which I was very happy and excited for Houston because it was a new age, it was a new group, and they were going to be better. But sometimes it always ends up the same way. What happens behind closed doors with the front office and with the general manager? But the problem of it is, and we've seen this now with several different coaches and with different staff members, you get, think about it this way. You're in a company You give someone that much power. The question on the back of your head should always be this. How are they really going to utilize that? Are they going to use it for themselves? Or are they going to utilize to move and shift the pieces and actually make this company bigger and better than ever? Because we have seen a lot of companies close down over the years, and we've seen a bunch of companies that have thrived. Think about it this way. Amazon is one of the top the top best companies in America with Jeb Bezos, all because he's a mover and shaker. You think of a lot of other big-time companies like Netflix. Netflix pretty much outproduced Blockbuster and a lot of these other video companies because of the fact of it's easier now to just download videos and movies straight off from your couch. So that's all part of innovation. Houston's not really in, like innovative for whatever reason. And it's odd. You have the best thing in Deshaun Watson and you can't give him the best thing. And you let go of what Houston was keeping them in the mixes of the playoffs. Think about it. The one year they went 0-3 to start and won nine straight games. That was not all Houston. That was all Deshaun Watson basically telling you, I need help. I can produce. I could give you exactly the production. But then in the end, the tires fell off. So as we know, it's a rude awakening for the Houston Texans. 
but you can't hold on to this for long. The front office, they know for a fact that they need to make serious changes. Otherwise, this is just going to be a tire fire of an organization, much like we've seen in Cleveland, much like we've seen in Jacksonville, much like we've seen in a lot of different places. But Houston's, until they figure this thing out, and I love the fact that they had to blanket everything. I love the fact that they were blanketing all these problems. It wasn't going to help. Because think about what the Colts had to deal with with Andrew Luck. 11-5 and five consecutive seasons, not a strong offensive line. Andrew Luck at times had to play with a bang, like just banged up. But he still managed to get the Colts in the playoffs. So ultimately, it hates to, I hate to say this, but this is time to rip off the bandage, Houston. It really, really is. And for the sake of it, because instead of lingering all of this on, the front office brought it upon themselves. And I feel so bad for Houston fans that they have to witness this. They have to go through this. And for the diehard ones, they're understandable. They want better. They don't want worse. They want better. So by the time that Deshaun Watson, he departs, and I know that he's got his own personal issues that he's got to clean up, but do the right thing. Do the right thing for the city of Houston, for the fans, and honestly, for the entire for the players of this organization. Because the longer you linger on, this is going to be a team in a division that's so lopsided with the Colts and Titans. And now you've got Trevor Lawrence in the mix. So, however, whatever plan is in place, I hope there is. But if not, this is kind of just going to be the harsh reality we'll see with the Texans moving forward. Coming up next, I've got Coach Dante on the way here to be talking a lot about the Tyrod Taylor situation with um, uh, with the Texans. We'll also be talking a little bit more about the Gardner Minshew um, situation. Plus, I've got Mitch Kofsky coming in. We're going to be talking a lot about the Sixers situation with Ben Simmons. Not going to be coming in to this organization and not showing up to camp. What now is in stake for the Sixers and, of course, Darian Hopkins around the corner here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Be back in a bit. We will see you guys here in a second, but we'll take a quick break here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Welcome to the My City, My Game Pod Show featuring Raider J77, your place for all things Raiders and all things Trailblazers. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications. Now let's go.
for all of our fantasy gurus out there left and uh, far and wide, coast to coast. You guys love fantasy sports, and you guys love to win cold, hard cash. Thrive Fantasy, my friends. Week one is this week, and you know what? There's a huge promotion going on in place where if you get in now and sign yourselves up using promo code SS Network, put in your $20 deposit, it will match to 50 bucks in your first play, and we've got pool plays reloaded every single week. This week, you could be winning up to a hundred grand in pool play for this week one because it's a complete just it's a complete extravaganza for the NFL season. We're all super excited about it. I know I am. So definitely get on to thrivefantasy.com. Use promo code SS Network. So uh, like we mentioned before about the Houston Texans, Tyrod Taylor is officially the week one starter. And so there's a lot of question marks regarding to Deshaun Watson, and there is nobody better that can explain it to me than Coach Dante, diehard Houston Texan fan who is joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show via the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard. So it is official, Dante, Tyrod Taylor's week one starter. What now does this mean? Is there finally going to be a trade in place? How exactly is this really going to pan out for the Texans front office? Uh, like I say, uh, i got to give a shout out for you bringing me back on the show again for the last time we talked. We talked. I got to thank you. Got a shout out uh, to my boy Money Mitch, man, for joining the team. Uh, look like he gonna have. Look like he not gonna be able to sleep well because Ben Simmons is still in the building. As long as he's still in the building, <laughs> he's not gonna sleep well. But to answer your question, uh, like I say, uh, this could mean uh, we're gonna trade Deshaun Watson. A trade is probably coming soon. Um, but also, this is uh, this defines uh, to me Tyrod Taylor' career a little bit to show that he's still a starter and a capable quarterback as well. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over too much. Uh, he doesn't push the ball down the field, but he won't hurt you with turnovers. He's very he's mobile, but at the same time, man, like I say, uh, as Bill O'Brien as the GM, the way he tooted his team down down to the hinges, the worst thing you can ever do to Deshaun Watson is take a weapon away from him. That's what he did. Uh, I don't care if they had personal issues or anything. You gotta find a way to make that work. That uh make that work between him and DeAndre Hopkins, and he didn't find a way to make it work. All the quarterbacks we went through, uh, and this guy still produced. Sage Rosenfels, Matt Sharp, uh, Case Keenum, Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, probably the worst quarterback I ever seen in Houston. Uh, I say, man, it's just. Uh, it, it means a trade coming soon, and it means Tyrod Taylor has a chance to revi revitalize his career a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and that's what I think about with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, one, it's so tough because of the fact of this just happened uh, last <laughs> season, just completely yeah. out of nowhere. And, you know, and, and of course you know it's a tougher situation the fact that the medical staff made a huge mistake with that but of course it would at the end it was very tough to then sit a high talent like justin herbert who had been putting up the numbers rookie mm -hmm. of the year so it, my biggest thing is about tyrod taylor knowing exactly the type of quarterback he is because i mentioned it before he's completed 61 percent of his throws he's a guy that doesn't like to make a whole lot of mistakes yeah. 
But my concern about this is they really are trying their absolute best to making sure, one, he stays healthy, and one, he's not in a lot of pressurized situations where he's got to run majority of the time. How do you think this offense is going to flow with Tyrod Taylor and, of course, utilizing all the weapons in front of him? I mean, like I say, I'm we're just gonna have to see week one how the, I don't know how this offense is gonna play. Uh, just by seeing Tyrod Taylor throughout his career, his best season was I believe was in Buffalo, and like I say, 14 touchdowns. I believe it was four interceptions. Uh, his his last season in Buffalo, which was pretty good. I believe that was on a winning note. So he shows flashes of not keep protecting the ball and not taking too many chances down the field. Uh, Nico Collins, I believe when I looked at the uh, depth chart, he was second on a depth chart. And like I say, uh, again, I don't know how this offense is going to play out. I believe we're going running. I don't know. I think Mark Ingram is the starting running back. And then it's uh, Phillip Lindsey. So David Johnson is the third string running back. Uh, Brevin Jordan is going to get some uh, playing time. You got Jordan Aikens out there at the tight end position that you're looking at. And also, uh, you cut Kiki QT, but you, like I say, Nico Collins shows flashes on the outside, and we're gonna have to, we're gonna really have to see how this, uh, how this team is gonna come down to Week One in Jacksonville, how they play against Jacksonville. That will determine uh, how uh, pretty good, decent the Texans will be. Yeah, and you know, and I think about just long term with the, you know, with this organization and with this group because there's a lot of work needing to be done. Um, and at the same time, like, I would like to think there's a lot of potentiality, but this, the fact of the matter is, is that these offensive weapons, like the wide receiver position was so questionable because there were guys mm -hmm. that had an injury history. And like we mentioned with David Johnson, injury history, then eventually Arizona just cut him loose. But yep. then comes into this Houston team where now you've got actually a really, a really interesting yet a pretty decent trio between him, Philip Lindsay, and of course, um, yep. Mark Ingram. So, do you kind of think they're they're going to be pretty solid running the football? Um, you know, especially with an offensive line that just has to do everything that they can to open up holes for their running backs. I think I think they're gonna. Uh, I think we're gonna have to rely on a run game a lot. Uh, the offensive line did uh, get some uh, good bodies a little bit, but they're they're kind they got kind of injured. Marcus Cannon. From the uh, New England Patriots, uh, pretty solid. He won uh, championships with the Patriots. You got the best, one of the best linemen in Larry Tunsil. Outside of him, you really, you really don't got got nobody uh, that can protect pretty much. Uh, so we're gonna have to uh, rely on these running backs making some plays, breaking tackles out of the backfield, and you got a pretty good group of guys with Mark Ingram leading the way. Uh, to get the job done, but like I say, everything is going to start with running the football, having a great running game, and that's how you open up guys like Nico Collins. That's how you open open up guys down the field like Brandon Cooks, who had a great year last year. Uh, he had he has a thousand yard season every year when he doesn't have a concussion. When he doesn't have a concussion, he performs. So like I say, this running game is going to be a big going to be a big key to this team. I agree. I absolutely agree. And I hope that everything really does pan out well for this season, especially with the fact of just everything that's been happening in the last couple of months and gearing up for this season. So hopefully things will pan out the best way possible. Coach Dante joining me here on the Steak Sports Talk Show. So we talked about it the last time I had you on. Garner yep. Minshew is officially a Philadelphia Eagle. And we did talk about this. I mentioned 
I thought Washington yep. would have been a really, really good fit for him because of the fact of I'm questionable about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Same with Taylor Heineke. Um, so apparently there's a lot of pressure now on Jalen Hurts in the, in the quarterback position. He can't afford to make any kind of mistakes, let alone Nick Sirianni trying to make this thing work as a head coach. Um, does it feel like Philadelphia has a little bit more of some insurance given the fact that they have Jalen Hurts as their starter, but if push comes to shove somewhere within the season, does it kind of feel like they're, they feel a little more confident in the quarterback position knowing that they've got a high-end backup with Gardner Minshew? Well, i say if you feel confident in your quarterback, the Deshaun Watson name wouldn't keep coming up for trade rumors with Jalen Hurts. If you actually feel confident in, in the quarterback that he's that he's the quarterback of the future, but I say again, this is this is I mean this could be this could be a make or break year for Jalen Hurts the way everybody hyping him up, uh, and like I said, I think he's gonna have a solid year. I think he's gonna be okay, but if he just imagine if he doesn't perform, people are gonna say you should have traded for Deshaun Watson. You should have made that deal, even though you don't know if this guy's gonna play football. But Gardner Minshew is actually like I said, not a bad quarterback. Uh, 37 touchdowns, 11 interception. He showed flashes, flashes he can get the job done. We're capable, give him some capable wide receivers that can make plays. He also can scramble out of the pocket when he needs to do it. Uh, this guy can make some plays, and I believe that's a great insurance policy right there for the Philadelphia Eagles in case everything doesn't break right for Philadelphia. You got Gardner Minshew right there. They got a, a pretty decent arm, and that can make plays when you actually got some help and when he actually don't have an offensive line that he don't have to run, that he, he don't have to run for his life against. So this is a, this is a very impressive pickup. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, like I said, Gardner Minshew has had gists of being a really good, productive quarterback when the system actually works for him. I felt like Jacksonville, because they were coming into a situation where Blake Bortles, <laughs> you kind of knew the reality of him. He wasn't really executing the right plays, so in comes Gardner Minshew, and then all of a sudden he's the hottest topic in the NFL. So yep. I do agree that I think he is the best insurance policy that Jalen Hurts could ask for. And it's not to say that he could very much easily go after Jalen Hurts' job, but it's giving him the opportunity where – if an injury does occur, he's got somebody right there upon the tail end that can execute the plays, kind of yep. give Philadelphia a little bit more options to utilize. So at this point, because this is a make-it-or-break-it season for the Philadelphia Eagles, knowing that the competition with the Washington uh, football team and Dallas as well, um, there's going to be a lot really on the line, and not to mention as well with defenses starting to – you know, the defense themselves has to be a little bit better outside of Brandon Brooks and Fletcher mm -hmm. Fox. So do we kind of see something brewing up where after this trade, they now need to start stepping up to where they're battling against teams like Washington and Dallas? Yeah, they, they I mean, like I say, uh, barring no injuries, that could be really no excuses for Philadelphia. This has to work. It, it started in week one because, like I say, I feel like Philadelphia needs to win this game. They need to somehow win this game. Uh, and it's going to come down to this defensive line, getting pressure on Matt Ryan. Instead of if, if they sit up there and let him sit in the pocket all day, it can be a long day. I don't care who you got at cornerback. If Matt Ryan gets comfortable in the pocket, it can be a long day. With Calvin Ridley out there, 
uh, when uh, Russell Gage, who has who had a, a pretty capable season, Kyle Pitts is going to definitely make plays out there. Uh, their defense is not even good, but their offense is their offense can put points on the board. But they have Philadelphia have to make this work. You go out there, everybody been begging for a CB two for the Philadelphia. Now you got Steven Nelson, who's I think basically that's he's pretty much a slot receiver, but that's the best corner. That was the best, probably the best cornerback available in their eyes that they're saying. And then you got Harris. You got Harris. So this all has to work. This is a lot of pressure on Philadelphia. You're, you're hearing a lot of six and I mean eleven and sixes, uh, twelve and fives. But this has got to work for Philadelphia. And Jalen Hurts, it is pressure on this guy, man. This guy has to perform this year, man. Or like I say again, you can find yourself getting putting getting Gardner Mitchell in there early, or getting the quarterback, man. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and, and that's what I'm hoping for for Philadelphia. The fact that after a Super Bowl victory that they had in 2017, there were a lot of shaky things, injury after injury, then everybody kind of getting called up on the practice squad. So there's a lot really on the line for guys like Howie Roseman, Nick, Nick Sirianni. So I'm hoping things really do pan out and things start to work out really for the better. Uh, real quick before I end up letting you go, because, of course, there right. have been – resurfacing topics now about Miami and the Tua situation. Um, and I know that, like, we spoke about it a couple times with Deshaun Watson being one destination that Miami – I mean, Miami's throwing in all the chips. So yeah. my only thing is Tua being into the mix. Let's focus on that first. Tua is in for Miami. They say he's a clear front-row starter. Yeah. If somewhere down the road – that they kind of look at it because he had a couple of games where he was under 200 as far as his passing yards were in a game. If we start to see more and more performances where it's much more defensive reliant and they don't have that impactful quarterback that's going to get them over the top, do you think Tua right now probably is just not the fit for uh, for Miami if that's the case? Uh, like I say, if he's underperforming, and if the team started getting into defensive battles, I believe they're gonna they're gonna find that out. They're gonna find that out sooner sooner than probably later. Tua's still a young quarterback. He shows. I'll say again, last year he struggled pretty much, and and he got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick again. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that was pretty bad. You must be really really bad if you get benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick again uh, after. Uh, I think uh, that was Brian, a yeah, time yes, period. yeah, yes, because I remember they benched Ryan Fitzpatrick when they were four and three. They were yeah. in the playoff. They were in the playoff picture. Tua comes in, he gets benched again for Ryan Fitzpatrick. All of a sudden, the team gets hot, back hot again. Uh, but like I say again, I can see uh, them making a move uh, and throwing in back in all the chips if he continues at, uh, the struggle. If he don't show no signs of improvement, I can see them uh, unleashing and trying to and get Deshaun Watson because it's like I said again. There were a lot of teams. Washington is one quarterback away. You can say the Giants is a quarterback away. And you can say it depends on what happens in Miami to tour. They are one quarterback uh, uh, one quarterback away. And that would be a, a good reunition between Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson if Tua's ever uh, to be a target. 
And God, can you imagine that mix with Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle? I mean, it's yeah. going to be one that is just yeah. really going to be interesting and I do think could put Miami right there up on the mix, where I do agree. I think yeah. the second they get Deshaun Watson, that feels like a playoff team to me because the fact <laughs> yeah. of just what he can do, what he brings to the table. They have the defense in place, and yeah. they've even got all of the offensive weapons. Now it's just can the quarterback really produce it to these guys and – I guess the question is still left to be said. Still left to be said. Answered and everything else by the time the season starts up. So, really good talking with you, Coach Dante. I really do appreciate you, man. I love stuff like this. But quick, give a shout out here for all of our fans where they can find you and find more and more of your content. And I know you're going to be getting geared up for this week one for the Houston Texans against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Coach Dante31. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Coach Dante31, the same on Coach Dante on YouTube, and also on the Spotlight Sports Network with all my guys, man. Y'all definitely going to find me on there, and y'all definitely will see me throughout the season. I just want to give a shout-out to everybody, and Jake having me on the show for the second time again. And shout-out to everybody, man. Shout-out to Deron and all of them giving me this opportunity. And, man, this is a great team. This is a great family. And shout-out to Money Mitch for being a new member, man. Uh, and y'all will see me Thursday on the kickoff show. Uh, it's just been a blessing, man. So thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely, man. It's always a blessing to be having you a part of the team and, of course, having you up on here. Hope you have yes, a great sir. night, and I hope you had a great weekend as well. And good luck to Houston by next week, my friend. We'll definitely, yes, sir. We'll definitely be doing this again soon. Yes, sir. Well, there you go, Coach Dante right there. And he's absolutely right because the fact of just this this whole situation with Houston is just absolutely crazy, just absolutely out of the lines. I mean, I wanted to believe that Houston could have been a better organization that the second that moves were happening, but it was just a lot up onto the table. But shifting over to another destination, which of course, the Philadelphia 76ers and this Ben Simmons situation. If you saw in my last episode about Ben Simmons, I've said it before. What you see at this point is what you get. And that's where I think is kind of the tough portion right now with where the Sixers are kind of setting themselves up for. And I've been searching high and low for somebody to at the very least explain to me about this whole situation. One that kind of has a little bit of a feel of what this organization is going to be going through. And we finally found one and welcoming in here to the Spotlight Sports Network family. And so he is joining me now here via the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard, Mitch Kofsky. So first and foremost, we want to thank you so much for being a part of this team and welcome you up onto a board. I'm very excited for more and more future um for future shows and of course more and more things to come here and in the near future so let's just dig right into it ben simmons obviously you and other sixer fans have left a lot on the table with as far as his performance the type of personality and all this other stuff so now the reports are he doesn't want to be a part of philly he doesn't want to show up into camp and now wants to be traded away and narrowed it down to three california teams how is Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers really going to try to play this out? Your thoughts? <clears throat> well, first, I just want to say thank you for having me on, my guy. First time doing a Spotlight Sports Network. I'm really happy to be part of this team, family. It's just a great feeling. I've been getting so much positive since the announcement. It's great, and I love it. So now for Ben Simmons. Okay. 
Um, what would Daryl Morey be doing? If I were him, I would have taken that first trade, honestly. Malcolm Bogdan <laughs> in the first. I would have taken that right from the get-go. But he's trying to bargain his chips. And what I mean by that is, like, waiting for the best option. But the best option with the tree stock is so low, it's like, what? Uh, Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell, I don't know. Like, I don't want to send him to California at all. Like, I wanted to send him to Cleveland. Give me Colin Sexton and Kevin Love in the first. Give me those two, and I'm happy. And I'm happy wow. with that. Colin Sexton can create his own shot. Kevin Love a spot up three. A stretch, I'll take that. Like yeah, that. you know, oh man, I, that's an interesting trade, like trade proje projection right there, you know. And it's funny because me and, of course, my good friend Darian Hopkins on the Spotlight Raiders talk, we've been talking about this in the past, um, even talking off the air. And we were kind of picking and choosing a little bit of some trade, you know, trade perspectives. And this is what I thought. This was my in uh, initial trade. Was my thought was make a three team trade where you would have Philadelphia in the middle of the mix, obviously with what's happening in Portland and, you know, not to say, you know, it, it, it is, it's highly that they could possibly acquire Damian Lillard. Maybe they might have something in the mix, but I thought of this, if they could go and get themselves a shooter like CJ McCollum first and foremost, because ultimately you needed to have a shooter. I think that was what was the biggest, biggest case in point with the Sixers, was they needed more shooters. They go and get Seth Curry. They go and get a couple of other young kids like Tyrese Maxey and a couple of others in the draft. Um, and then they had some defensive pieces. Now, let's say they trade away Ben Simmons to Portland to going and getting C.J. McCollum. Well, that, at that point, they need to have somebody that's going to fill the void defensively but still give you good minutes and give you also some good shots within the perimeter. I feel like you can make a phone call to Indiana – and maybe have a trade in the mix of maybe potentially getting Malcolm Brogdon because I love his play that he's defensive, can shoot, you know, can shoot him within the perimeter and give me important threes when his time's on the floor. So that was kind of my initial thought. What did you think about something like that? I would love it. I would love it because Malcolm Brogdon's a great shooter. The only thing I have against CJ McCollum is that, yes, he's a good shooter. He can spread the floor and all that. But I feel like we need a superstar, but it, thanks to Daryl Morey and all this, I guess we got to take CJ uh, McCollum. But wouldn't you think that Maxie would be part of that trade? Like when they need someone with value, Maxie or Thibel? Mm hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they got to have somebody at least valuable that's going to, you know, at the very least make something happen. But, um, no, I, I totally agree. And and this was the funny thing. And I want your thought on this because initially there was a, t there was a conversation at the time between JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler and a couple of others that were a part of the Sixers group. And mm -hmm. they mentioned it in the podcast that in this locker room, there was no leadership. They kind of just were like kind of dealing with their own emotions on their own. And everybody was just kind of like, they were kind of on their own Island. So I felt like, since, you know, Ben Simmons being a part of this group since, you know, being drafted, there's just been everything that's been just been going downhill. Now, my hardest thing to say was the injury after the rookie seasons, because you had this happen with Markel Fultz. You had this happen with Joel Embiid. And then, of course, with Ben Simmons and the list goes on. 
and finally, you know, there were guys like Tyrus Maxey and Matthias Thibault that they came in and they were just filling themselves in. Um, but my thought was shooters like Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, um, Jimmy Butler, if they were able to make a deal in place without losing those guys, do you think that the Sixers could have potentially had a championship like right in the middle of that mix before all of this had occurred? Of course, without a doubt. Because with Jimmy Butler, you saw what he did with Miami. He took him to the freaking finals. So when you have Jimmy Butler, he is a hard-nosed, he's a hard-working, he knows how to get it done. But with Ben Simmons, you know, like you trust him over me, I'm gone. I'm out. And that's how we got Josh Richardson, then Al Horford and all that. So if we had Drew Holiday, my God, that defense and shooting, bro. I miss him so much on the Sixers right now. I miss him. Like, oh, I really do. Absolutely, man. And and I totally agree. I feel like, you know, with the Eastern Conference, the way that things are set up and the way that things are shaped, I agree. And there, there and this would have been an over-the-top team that could have gotten past teams like Boston, that could have gotten past teams like Milwaukee. So it just kind of feels like they're right there in the spotlight now that – knowing that what they see right now with all the teams that have already gotten the gist of Ben Simmons, it's going to be an even tougher situation to really kind of man this out. But hopefully if Daryl Morey does play his cards right, that hopefully there'll be a, a, a trade, you know, in the middle of this mix. So hopefully so. Uh, Mitch Kosky joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. So here was my thought about this too, because dating back to the time of the James Harden trade, going through all of that. And obviously where we are standing with Ben Simmons now, if that trade had been finalized, do you think that that team could have gotten themselves into the Eastern Conference final and then having to face, you know, a big time showdown with the Milwaukee Bucks? I think they could, but here's the thing. We wouldn't have a bench really. Like, Maxi would have been gone. We would still have Thibault. I forget who else was in that trade. Was it, like, a couple first and a second or something? I forget yeah. what exactly in that trade. Mm-hmm. But for the bench, we had nothing. Like, Maxi is gone. So we had Shake, George Hill, Furkan Korkmaz. And I love Korkmaz. I'm a huge fan of his. But it's just, like, with that bench, we didn't have that firepower with yeah. it. And we still had the defense, though. We had the defense, but look what that got us. I mean, it's an offense-driven league right now. No, it's true. I mean, that's that's like I said. I mean, this was it, – it's so funny because looking at the league right now, it's a shooter's league. It's the fact that you got to have important shooters to shoot within the perimeter, shoot the important threes, and also manage time. You know, and it was – and I remember it being like in my generation watching basketball where it was a lot of physical play. It was fighting hard to – get points and at the same time it was grit and grind to the last few minutes of a quarter that really mattered the most um so my thought of this is as well because i'm looking at the lakers situation and the lakers are just full of all nba guys all full of you know just uh, superstars and champions all written across the board but my only fear is this is old, this is such an old roster. 
and there's not really any young bloods outside of Kendrick Dunn and uh, and a couple of other pieces. Do you think that the Lakers, given the situation, do you think that either could make it or do you think they might underachieve for the playoffs this year? I think they might underachieve because Russell Westbrook's ego is so high. And could LeBron James actually manage that and keep him like on a down low? But knowing what, knowing Rush, he will. He's a triple double machine. Like he yeah. has to get a triple double. That's all he cares about because he does have a ring. Mm-hmm. So knowing Le- knowing that, I don't think it's gonna happen. And with Carmelo, I think his ego might get in the way as well because you know that time in Denver. New York, he always wanted to take that last shot and be the hero. But obviously, that would go to LeBron James and or Anthony Davis. So, I don't think it will work out. But they have a lot of depth. They do. They have a shooter in Wayne Ellington. So, we just got to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see for sure. Mitch Kofsky joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. So, let's get into some Eagles things. So, as I mentioned to Coach Dante just before bringing you on, so Gardner Minshew is officially an Eagle, um, a very much a very trustworthy and high-end backup. Um, I mean, you could kind of agree with this. This is kind of a, a winner-take-all type of year right now for the Philadelphia Eagles because after all of last year with just this mess with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and injury after injury, um, how do you think this is going to pan out now for Jalen Hurts? Obviously, he's not going to lose a starting role, but he is going to have some competition here and there. But I do think this is a really, really good insurance coverage for him. If an injury happens, you got a high-end backup that's capable of making plays and winning games. So given the situation in, within their division, like do you think this could pan out a little better knowing you got a younger core with off- with offensive players, Offensive lines, you know, getting healthier and the def- the defense kind of shaped up a little bit different. What's your expectation going into this next year for the Eagles? My expectations is I'm just going to give my record right now, and that is nine and eight because I'm not going way too high, like 14 and three, 15 and two. No, <laughs> this is a building block. Yeah. So honestly, I'll be happy with seven wins. I'll be happy with seven and 10 because knowing last year to what we had now, and then building on to the future and knowing the salary cap, we have 40, 50 mil and that draft next year. We have like so many picks. We can get Miami's pick. We can get uh, Indianapolis pick. So our future is looking bright. So for this year, I'm going for nine and eight and hopefully that'll take the first spot. In yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so. I mean, there's a lot of competition within the Washington football team that, I mean, this team is loaded to where they only have a quarterback left that they need to fill, and it's go time for the Giants because of the fact of new new pieces. Daniel Jones cannot afford to make more mistakes than what he did before. And then the Dallas Cowboys, look, I, I like the offensive presence for them, but the defense I have so many questions of because of the secondaries. Um, you, you know, and, and a lot of this hype – how do you think this is panning out for the Dallas Cowboys knowing that with the defense, I mean, they got Micah Parsons, they got at least a couple of real good players, but I'm a little bit skeptical about this secondary. Do you think that the Dallas Cowboys really can make some serious noise in the, in the East? It depends on one person and that's Dak Prescott actually, 
Because if he he's coming off a big injury and he just got injured again in training camp, obviously. But he it depends on him. If he has a kick ass year, they'll be fine. If he has a shitty year, I don't know. But knowing that defense though, I don't think that'll be enough. I really don't think because the Cowboys quoting Stephen A. Smith, they're an accident waiting to happen. So yeah. knowing them, who knows what's gonna happen? Like Zach Wilson, he's out for Thursday. So mm-hmm. that's like Okay, that's an injury down. And we know there's just an accident waiting to happen. I don't think it's going to pan out. Yeah, not to mention, too, being on hard knocks where it's just like, you know, I said it this way. When I watch the episodes, I feel like the Cowboys are like those trust fund kids. The fact that they're, you know, they're, they're in a country club where they're getting all the best stuff. And it's like, it's almost like a circus there, you know, and this is a team that, at the same time could put up 25 plus points, but also at the same time, give up 25 plus points. So um, ultimately, yeah, you could only get so much out of Dak Prescott, but eventually um, that's just going to be questionable of how this offensive line is really going to protect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's yeah. just not looking good for Dallas at this point. Yeah, no, I, I, I think this, I I'm right there with you. I feel like this could be a team that, you know, they're making a lot of noise, but they're going to end up underachieving for this year. But who knows what the, what's going to be at stake for uh, for them uh, this new year? Well, it's good talking with you, Mitch. I really do appreciate it. And welcoming you aboard here on the Spotlight Sports Network. And real quick, because obviously with week one underway, how do you think that's going to pan out here for the Eagles? It's going to be a fun season. We don't know what's going to happen. There's too many question marks. But I feel like with this offense being built around Jalen Hurts, right. Because remember last year, our best wide receivers were Whiteside and Greg Ward. Mm -hmm. So it's just like knowing this offense and the speed, they might do West Coast. I think that'll be good for them. And for the defense, we got Eric Wilson. We got Steven Nelson, Darius Slay, Anthony Harris. I can go on and on. Ryan Kerrigan, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense got some pieces to fit Jonathan Gannon's system, and it's going to be good, but Jake Elliott's got to make his field goals. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> he got it. They can, they can, yeah, they cannot afford to have a kicker missing their field goals majority of the time. I know that feeling, especially with, you know, um, Money Badger being out now. And now, you know, and now you've got Vizcaino coming in for the kicking position. So uh, where can people find you here on all your social medias to get a hold of you with everything Philadelphia? So you guys can find me at Mitch Kofsky on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I cover the Eagles. I cover the Sixers. I just started covering wrestling. Like I just did a video on, uh, you know, Brian Danielson, uh, Adam Cole, so I'm doing wrestling content as well. So that's what I do on YouTube. And just the love I've been getting ever since the announcement I made this morning, it's just unreal. Like I thank everyone, especially uh, Darian, Key in the building, Coach, Coach Dante, you for having me on. Thank you. We got to do this again, man. And it was just fun, especially talking about Ben Simmons, which I can't stand. Yeah, absolutely, man. Love having you aboard. And like most other teams, we all want to be a part of a winning team. So I am very thankful to having you a part of this winning team where all we got to do is just basically produce out the best content for all of our viewers and fans and listeners. So I'm very happy to have you aboard. And I'd love to do this again because, of course, 
Chargers do play the Eagles within the week. So I would love to have you and Key in the building to get in your oh intake on the Eagles. So it's going to be a yep. lot of fun seeing Justin Herbert up out there uh, playing in Philly. And hopefully we'll see what happens if Justin That'll be Herbert a good might game. Earn. I can't wait for that. That'll be a oh very good game. Ugh, I'm marking it down, man. I can't wait. Hopefully Justin Herbert will win himself a Philly cheesesteak or something like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, good having, it's good having you on here, Mitch. Take care of yourself. I hope you had a great weekend and we will definitely do this again soon. Yeah, peace, man. See you guys. Thank you. See you later. Well, there you go. Mitch Kofsky there, as you said, brand new onto the Spotlight Sports Network that you can catch him on everything Philadelphia content. Um, especially, I, I'm very glad about this with the fact of getting, honestly, some personal insight with this Ben Simmons stuff. Uh, but, of course, we have also got somebody here as well that's on the line straight from Philly and absolutely loves his Sixers, loves his Raiders, but we're digging into a little bit of Raiders stuff. And joining me now on the Snake Sports Talk Show via the Global Satellite Network in presented by StreamYard is the one and only Darian Hopkins of the Spotlight Raiders Talk. Well, first and foremost, I want to say it is very, very good to seeing you back in your best form, man, 110%, because we know you were kind of offline for a while, but... Glad to have you back up 110% healthy for those that didn't know was obviously hit with the virus, but did not knock him down for long. So I'm glad to see you back up and making more content. So let's get down to the nitty gritty, man. You and I have been going back and forth with this whole Raiders thing, but I am from all this, the, the, from all the headlines, all I'm hearing is, is Mike Mayock is on the hot seat. How is it that John Gruden is not up on the hot seat? Because of the fact that you sign a contract, you're paying him this much amount of money, and you underachieved the last few years since he's been coaching this team. So I feel like right now it is, it's go time for them. The fact that they're getting new pieces, the fact that they're, you know, that, that this is a different shape of a team and a brand new defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley. What is at stake right now with the Raiders going into this next season? And knowing you got a big Monday night game here in Vegas against the Ravens, how is the tempo set for the Ra the Raiders moving into 2021? Well, you know, first and foremost, I do want to thank you. Mind you, I am working in a group chat while I'm doing this. So I've got the laptop here. I'm not even home. So um, internet is, is probably a bunch of BS with the internet. But, hey, I'm here. Um, being COVID, being in a hospital for 10 days and now able to um, get back on my feet and, and do the content that I do. Um, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. But this is my thing with the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Um, I just don't feel like Mike Mayock is on the hot seat. I think John Gruden's on the hot seat. But the reason why Mike Mayock is on the hot seat is because of the business moves, What he's, of the business move. It's not what the actual record on the, the act – it's the product that he puts out is what making him the hot, putting him on the hot seat. Now, yeah. you know, you had the situation with Antonio Brown and that didn't go too well. And then you had um, the Lynn Bowden Jr. trade. And then, you know, we lost Tanner Muse today in a cut. And it just being question of what is going on with our linebacker core. I do like the way he drafts. But my only thing is, are they going to be here longevity? That makes me concerned as a Raiders fan. Um, but I do like some of the moves that he did make. I mean, he does have pros and cons. He went out and got Casey Haber. He went out and got uh, K.J. Wright. He went out and got Solomon Thomas. He went out and got Joe McCoy all on the defensive side of the ball. He brought in Keon Drake 
on the opposite side of the ball. So when, when he drafted Henry Ruggs, he drafted Brian Edwards, which one of those two haven't panned out yet due to a COVID year last year. So their rookie years was not at the, at his best. But I feel like now with oh yeah, Donald Nagabe, I can't even you know be. be you know, forget about that. That was one of our biggest acquisitions in Yannick Ngawe. Then we went out and we we got Trayvon Merrick in, in the draft and got a you know got a few players there. So you know, a couple of years he did get um, Nick Mikowski and Corey Littleton in the year before. So he does have some pros and cons, but I just feel like both of them are on the hot seat. And the only reason, but the thing about it is, is that a lot of I, I they are on a hot seat, but I don't want them to be on a hot seat because if you look at yeah. the longevity of coaches that have been in the NFL, they had those bad years. Then he ended up building those teams. So this is year four for John Gruden, but at the same time, they're going to say, oh, John Gruden went from four and 12 to seven and nine to eight, and they understand that they are proving years. I mean, of course, the first three years of John Gruden, you're not going to really see that improvement. You have to you know, to rip the whole team apart just to build it back up. And I think that we kind of did that this offseason. Only reason yeah. why I say John Gruden was on a hot seat because of his play calling, his concern. Yes as a play caller. So that's right. the only reason why I say Gruden's on a hot seat and some some acquisitions on Mike Mayock in is the reason why he probably on a hot seat. But me, I feel like if Mike Mayock's on a hot seat, then Gruden should be there too. Even though John even though that John Gruden is getting that hundred million dollars, even that he stated that if he gets fired, he's not going to take any of that money. That is in his contract. He don't yeah. have have no parts of ownership of the Las Vegas Raiders. So please, for all them people that say that he got part ownership of the Las Vegas Raiders, just cut that out right now. Just cut that out because he doesn't. Full ownership is Mark Davis. Yeah. No, I and I totally agree, you know, and, and that was the one thing that I pointed out because the fact of John Gruden started six and three last season and then to be coming up in a terrible bad hump at two and five. I mean, that that that's and this is post Thanksgiving. You know, and the last thing you want is by the time Thanksgiving's over, this is go time for a lot of teams. And the fact that this has happened, you know, in the three spurts in John Gruden's coaching career that he had started out hot for teams, whether it was Tampa or the Raiders, and then all of a sudden started to underachieve. So if we see this kind of play again, I mean, you mentioned it before, with the fact of just the conservative play calling, um, not to mention having a new defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley. How big of an impact is that really having Gus Bradley now a part of this group and with the acquisitions they have? Do you think we might actually see a much better reshaped defense moving forward? Absolutely. I feel like we're going we're gonna to see that because Gus Bradley is making these guys take accountability for they letting them own up to the let these play. If you look so go on my bad. If you ever go on YouTube and look at Gus Bradley mic'd up when we did our training camp at Allegiant Stadium, I'm gonna tell you right now, the guy is focused, he's talking to them, he's yelling at them, he's making sure they're disciplined. And now that's the culture that we needed. Paul Gunther was too quiet, he was buddy buddy with John Gruden, and that didn't work out. When John Gruden is making defensive decisions and you can't make those defensive decisions it's an issue and this is why john gruden fired paul gutner because paul gutner wasn't that aggressive with his players and i feel like these players that we have now they're buying into what gus bradley is is bringing to the table 
And KJ Wright, you bring in people that know the system and teach these guys, these rookies, and these guys that's been here to learn the system. Darius Fallon, a Gus Bradley guy. Casey Hayward, a Gus Bradley guy. KJ Wright, a Gus Bradley guy. Denzel Pyramid, a Gus Bradley guy. And then you, you still have Damon Arnett in there to learn from Casey Hayward. Then you got Trayvon Mullen that could work for Casey Hayward. And then you have our defensive line where we have a veteran in Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson from the Buffalo Bills. You have veterans that can mix in with these younger guys. And he, and he blended it together. And you can see it from the preseason. You can see even with the second and third team, you can see that they even bought in to Gus Bradley's system. And I think it's going to be different. And, and I'm not expecting it to be a top 10 defense. No, I'm not expecting that. Realistically, top 20. I don't see us being in the bottom like we did the last couple of years. And even though that we started 6-3 and three and ended 2-5, and five, that was on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. If you want to be honest, because that offense averaged 30 points a game and we was top 10 in the league in offense. Derek Carr in the offense did what they were supposed to do on the offense side of the ball. The defense could not get off the field and we was trying. We had to score damn near 30 points and they gave up 30 points a game. So I think it's going to be a little bit different. I think we're going to be off, off the, um, the defense is going to be off the field a little bit more. And I trust that, you know, that if, if John Gruden can bring this offense a little bit more different, now you got a Keon Drake, you got a Jalen Rashard and a Josh Jacobs, you got two running backs that could be receivers. So right. now you got more receivers outside of Willie Sneed, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, Waller. You got so many weapons on the offense side of the ball. You got to make it a little bit more complex in today's league. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a very interesting year for the Raiders. Yeah, it really is going to be an interesting year. Darren Hopkins of the Spotlight Raiders Talk joining me on the Snake Sports Talk Show, you know, and 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 I agree because the fact of, first of all, I want to believe that this team is very intimidating to a lot of teams in the NFL, but it's just like they have it, but somewhere in the middle of the mix, somewhere there just changes. And, I, and I'm sure it gets excruciating for you and for Raider Nation that the fact that, you know, they have these pieces that they could do it, but it's like, can they really overcome those adversities to be a tough team in the AFC West? So with that being said, you know how the AFC West is shaped. The fact that both of them have their quarterbacks, mm -hmm. everyone's got defenses, Looking into, because honestly, Denver, their situation with their quarterbacks is all over the place. But thinking of mm -hmm. facing off it twice a year with Patrick Mahomes and with Justin Herbert. Now, the only mm -hmm. corner who has experience playing with them is Casey Hayward. How? And Trayvon Mullen. And yeah, and Trayvon Mullen. And we've watched Trayvon Mullen several times get burnt by some of the, you know, these deep ball throws that Justin Herbert was throwing last season. So, how are the Raiders and what Gus Bradley has facing with Patrick Mahomes and with Justin Herbert, knowing that these are deep ball throwing guys, how exactly is the secondaries really going to shape up, especially now that you got Trayvon Morig, uh, uh, yeah, Trayvon Morig and a couple of other really good pieces in the secondaries that's really going to shut down the pass games? Well, if you look at the, the, the last cut, if you look at that division, right? Yeah. We we was we really was you know, I think we was the only team in that division that beat the Chiefs in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I think we was the only team in that division that beat the Chiefs, and we beat the Chiefs by pressure. We got yeah. pressure on Patrick Mahomes, 
And that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do. If anybody in this league knows, it's a copycat league. I understand they revamped their offensive line. Cool. That's fine by me. But now we have we have a lot of depth at corner. We got a lot of depth at safety. We Our, our linebacker court is going to be better this year because now, mind you, even though you said about, you know, Trayvon Miller getting a lot of deep balls, but that was in Paul Gunther's system. It might be a little bit different this year. You just don't know what, what Gus Bradley, what, what his scheme is with for Trayvon Mullen and for Corey Littleton. Littleton was, was playing out of play last year under Paul Gunther too. So Gus Bradley's going to put them where they need to be best at. So yeah. with Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert, I'm sorry to say, but, I mean, every quarterback is a beatable quarterback. They're not invincible. Yeah. You know what no, I'm saying? So, uh, and that's that's for even for Derek Carr, and that's even for whatever the quarterback is for Denver. I don't even know who the quarterback is. And I care. I don't care to know for the quarterback for the donkeys. But <laughs> Teddy um, Bridgewater. <laughs> I'm not worried about Teddy Bridgewater. We beat him last year with the Carolina Panthers in Week One. So I'm not really worried about Teddy Bridgewater at this point, even though he got a little bit more weaponry over in Denver. But I'm still not concerned. I'm still not concerned because yeah. it's the Denver Broncos. But um. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, and I feel like I, I think we could beat the Chiefs. We could beat the Chargers. I think we can split with everybody in the division besides the Denver Broncos. I think everybody can split the Broncos in this division, just in my opinion. But I think no, we, I, totally I think agree. it's going to it's going to be it's going to be like it's not like what it was last year. But if we could go on the road and beat the Chargers and beat the Chiefs like we did last year, I, I'll be confident with that. I don't see us sweeping nobody but the Broncos. And that goes yeah. even for the Chargers. I got the Chargers sweeping them. I got the Chiefs sweeping them. I don't see Denver winning no games in this division at all. I don't. No, I I agree with Denver on that one. That's just going to be a tougher. That's just going to be a tougher scenario and a tougher uh, situation, knowing that the quarterbacks are questionable right now between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. But at the same time, I mean, you have to think about it. I mean, I watched the defense with the secondaries. This defense in preseason gave up less than twenty points. Um, all preseason, uh, just all three of those preseason games. So it kind of given me a little bit of a speculation of Patrick Sertain, Kyle Fuller, and of course, Justin Simmons. I, that's just where I'm like, okay, if they're filling in these voids for a reason because of the division they're in with these deep ball throwing quarterbacks, that may be the reason why. And that keeps them, that keeps them competitive. But of course you got to have somewhere where you got an offensive playmaker to make those plays in the middle of it when the defense is doing the work. Um, right. So my biggest thing is, this is the question for offensively for the Raiders. I know what I'm getting with Derek Carr. I know what I'm getting with Darren Waller. I know what I'm going to get with Josh Jacobs and maybe a little bit of Kenyon Drake. Who am I going to get production-wise when it comes to their wide receiver core? Because now John Brown is out. Um, this is a make-it-or-break-it year for Henry Ruggs. And Brian Edwards, hopefully he gets more targets this year. And Hunter Renfro, you know he's a wild card guy when you need um, when you need somebody open to get downfield to get you first downs and at the same time gives you scores. So do you kind of feel like Henry Ruggs could be the guy potentially after a rocky rookie year that he had last year? Yes. I mean, he put on weight. He practiced on his route running. Um, in the training camp, and I feel like COVID and not action him and Brian Edwards not having a actual training camp and a mini camp hurt them last season. 
I really think it hurt them. And I think this since they had their first mini camp and training camp, Brian Edwards and him be well, Brian Edwards been more of a standout from the film that I've been seeing on training camp and what he's been doing to these 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 corners. He's gonna be our 50-50 ball guy. He he gives me the Michael Crabtree style of play when it comes to red zone. That's what it comes to. Now, yeah. the wide receiver core, Zay Jones. Willie Sneed is a veteran that's going to come in and help these younger guys. Zay Jones is already a veteran, but he's not a veteran like a Willie Sneed that played with a Lamar Jackson, that played with a Drew Brees. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he's going to come in and help these guys, especially a Henry Ruggs, where everybody thought Henry Ruggs was just a nine-route type of wide receiver. Now he's learning the routing tree. He was able to have a training camp and compete and actually work, I think improve year for our wide receiver core, knowing that we will have Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro, um, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and Willie Sneed. That's our five receivers that we have. And we just signed David Moore from the Seattle Seahawks to our practice squad. So, you just, so that's technically six receivers on our roster because David Moore is a, is a playmaker as well. He's definitely a playmaker um, He when he was with Seattle under Russell Wilson, so it was definitely good to see him come in and be a be a contributor to this wide receiver course. So I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, it's going to be very very interesting to watch for sure. And you know what? I cannot be even more excited for just just for the NFL season to start. You know, and and there have been so many mm. different speculations during preseason. We've had a bunch of different headlines. So at this point. They don't call it a wild, wild west division for nothing, you know, and, and this is where, uh, you know, a lot is on the line, especially for Kansas City and even for the Chargers themselves. So week one against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I did see exactly some of the injury reports. Now, they still do have Gus Edwards. That's so going to be running the football. Um, now, the other part is too Rashad Bateman being hurt. Um, this is tough for me because the fact of the matter is, is that I feel like this game I said this before in um, 7,200 seconds that if you played on the point spread, whatever it may be, taking the over on the point spread, I feel like it's going to be a 65-point game from here because of what we saw in the first year with the Raiders in uh, Allegiant Stadium and what we saw against the Saints. So how do you feel like that this type of approach, going against Lamar Jackson and going against the Baltimore Ravens, how that's going to set the tone for the Raiders at home. Because obviously, Allegiant Stadium is going to be open now to the public. You're going to have fans. It's going to be a, quite a party for a lot of diehard Raider fans. How mm -hmm. do you think this tempo is going to be set for the Raiders in week one? I think it's going to be set really well because you got a Yannick Nagawe that, that, that practiced against Lamar Jackson all last season. He was with the Baltimore Ravens. And then you have a Willie Sneed that played with Lamar Jackson last year that knows that Ravens offense. So we kind of got an advantage in those two aspects of it when it comes to um, former players that played for the Ravens last year. But I think Young Nagawe is ready to get out there, him and Max Crosby, um, to get out there. For me personally, I feel like our linebacker core, you know, they're going to do a lot of RPO with – they're going to do a lot of zone read and RPO with um, Gus Edwards. Because the question is, though, out of Gus Edwards, who's going to be their backup if Gus Edwards need a breather? So that's why that's they took true. that list of players of they're going to look at Le'Veon Bell and all those running backs 
that's on the market, like a Devontae Freeman and stuff like that. So I don't really know who they backup is if Gus Bradley, Gus, not Gus Bradley, but if Gus Edwards needs a breather. In their wide receiver core, I'm not really too scared of their wide receiver core. Bateman is out. Hollywood Brown is kind of questionable. And Mark Andrews just got, I don't know if you've seen it, but he just got paid yep, at the highest yep. a tie at the highest paid tight end in the NFL, which I completely disagree with, in my opinion, because he I, I mean he's not even a top five tight end. But you but that's another story for another time. I just feel like I'm I'm pretty confident. I know that injuries happens. Um that it happens with us, our linebacker core. If you see our linebacker core, Jaden White. Um, Nicholas Morrow, both of them are on IR. So it, it kind of sucks that it happens, but um, the Raiders have to take advantage of it. We have to take advantage of it. And if Lamar is going to run to the outside, outside contain, if he's going to run the RPL, don't budge for, as a linebacker. You've got to play that spy, whoever's in the middle of that, that linebacker core. And then, you know, KJ Wright, he can play that QB spot. So and he, had, he still had one incredible year last year with the Seahawks. So, yeah, I think we, we had that advantage going in with the fans coming in and having Yannick and having Snee being there last year. But we just got to contain Lamar Jackson. If we can contain Lamar Jackson and stop him from throwing to the tight ends and throw to wide receivers that we don't even know about, we win this football game. Well, you know what, man? It's going to be a lot of pressure right now for the Raiders because it's go time at this point this year. So there's a lot of different questions and hopefully the Raiders can answer all those questions that we've been asking all throughout this whole offseason and then the preseason. Mm -hmm. So hopefully best of luck to the Raiders moving forward. And real quickly, because of course we know, obviously with our fantasy football league, who's got the better chance of winning this year? Well, once you finish this show, we're doing the um the lottery picks. So I'm manually doing the lottery picks. I already got it set up. I just got to generate the draft order, and then I'm going to call the group chat, and y'all going to see y'all picks. And, but me, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick myself to get my throne back. But, you know, Key got the throne <laughs> right now. Hammer's talking about Hammer's talking about acknowledge him. We're not acknowledging you, bro. Absolutely not. So, I mean, I got, I, I'm going to say myself as of right now. I think boss man, me, is going to, is definitely going to, uh, win the league <laughs> oh man listen we'll find that answer out when the season starts up man but i feel like i could be bolting my way into the championship i'm just saying Ooh, i'm just saying let's so. go talk that talk jake talk that talk <laughs> <laughs> well it's always good talking with you brother of course here in the spotlight sports network and a lot of us here as family man where can everybody end up finding you with all of your raiders content and with so much more content you put up onto the table man so y'all can find me on YouTube at the Spotlight Raiders Talk. You can find me on Instagram at Spotlight Raiders Talk. And you can find me on Twitter at Spotlight RN Talk. So if it wasn't for Spotlight Sports Network, it wouldn't be a Spotlight Raiders Talk. I'm just being honest with you. So go subscribe to both channels. And the Absolutely. Snake Sports Talk Show. Let's get the <laughs> Snake Sports Talk Show to 500 subscribers. Stop playing with us, y'all. Stop playing. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're trying to get to that cornerstone. And like I said before, I ended up ending this because I'm going to be showing my good friends, my good fans and everything else when we get to the 500 mark. But until then, it's been great talking with you, man. Always love collaborating with you. Good luck to your Raiders and everything up in week one. And of course, up on the future and ahead. And I can't wait for us to collaborate twice a year like we usually do on, you know, <laughs> in our, 
Oh man, it's going to be so exciting, but have a great week, a uh, great night and hope you had a great weekend as well. And let's see what week one brings on against the Raiders or against the Ravens here in Allegiant stadium. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I'm ready for it. So thank you for having me on. Really do appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Take care of yourself and we'll definitely talk to you and see you soon. All right, man. All right. Take care. Well, there you go. Oh, man. It was a jammed packed Monday night, folks. Absolutely loved it. Um, but that's going to do it for me here tonight. We've had a lot of play. We had a lot of people. We've had Coach Dante. We've had Mitch Kofsky. We've had Darian Hopkins. Ah, I was just absolutely loaded. We're all together as a, you know, a winning team and we cannot wait any longer for the NFL season just to start up. But other than that, thank you guys so much for joining me here, but you know what? I got to get something here for you guys because this is exciting. This is exciting stuff. Because I'll tell you one thing, folks. Oh, I had to come in quick for this one. You guys have asked. You guys have definitely demanded, and it's finally here. We're on the road to 400 subscribers, but, however, we got to make a strive to half of 1K. If we get to 500 subscribers on the Snake Sports Talk Show, here you go, my friends. The infamous one-chip challenge is finally here up in front of me but it's only until we get to 500 subscribers. And I promise you, this is this right here is really going to be the game changer by the time we get to 500. But until then, I'm saving my taste buds. I'm saving my spices. And of course, I'm also saving my colon as well until, the, you know, until we get this thing going. But other than that, hope you guys have a great night. And I hope you guys have had a great Labor Day weekend. I certainly have just been chilling and everything else. And I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll be talking a lot more of more NFL talks. And of course, my infamous uh, segment that I love to do every year. Jake's prime predictions. You don't want to miss that here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Have a great night. Hope you had a great weekend. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night at the same time. 5, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you guys tomorrow night.